0: Welcome to the Pacific College of Health and Science podcast channel. Today's podcast is part of a series called Private Practice Plus. The purpose of this podcast is to provide acupuncturists and other independent healthcare providers with ideas to expand their practices. By expand, I mean both grow the number of patients and clients you see and also to expand the boundaries of your practice and your career. To that end, And to provide inspiration and ideas, I'm inviting practitioners who've had both busy private practices and who've also created businesses, written books, teach, or created other additional income streams beyond private practice. These projects can provide direct financial rewards or help build your brand, your recognition as a healer and expert in your particular area of healthcare. They can also bolster your enthusiasm for the field, the career you're in, as you will see in here, there are no shortages of opportunities for growth in the field of healthcare. Your patients, your clients, your community, and you will benefit from every effort you make to expand your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Matt Callison is well-known for his work with professional athletes. He's traveled across the United States in his work with NFL players. His unique ability to blend Chinese medicine with sports medicine is particularly evident in his international certification program, Sports Medicine Acupuncture. Matt also created the Motor Point and Acupuncture Meridian Chart, the Motor Point Index, is the author of the amazing and long-awaited textbook, Sports Medicine Acupuncture, an integrated approach combining sports medicine with traditional Chinese medicine. Matt also created an orthopedic class featuring the foundations of sports medicine acupuncture that's currently being taught at all three Pacific College campuses. Matt worked at the Alvarado Sports Medicine Clinic and at Scripps Hospital in La Jolla for six years. Matt received his master's degree in traditional oriental medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and serves as Pacific's supervisor of acupuncture interns at the University of California, San Diego Sports Medicine Remax Center. Please welcome Matt Callison. So hey, Matt, nice to see you. Um, congratulations on your new book, long awaited, must feel good. Uh, in fact, before I dive back into your past and how things developed and why you are where you are today tell me how it feels to just have you know that finally uh completed it's it feels great
1: it's fantastic it's that when i when i held the book for the first time i fell to my knees probably because the weight of the book also <laughs> yeah. i fell That's to true. my knees and i broke down and i cried because yeah, well, a project of, of this long has really been taking a lot of focus and a lot of cheat to do. And to be able to yeah. see the end product was
0: Absolutely. pretty amazing.
1: And it's been giving, it's, it's like giving birth right now. It's the book is taking me a lot of different places.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really great, Matt. You should be really proud. Um, let's go back to, you know, the early days. Um, I know that your undergraduate training was in um, what would you call it? Not physical therapy, but, um, Uh, you tell me, I mean, I know it's kind of related to athletic training, athletic training. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you'd had that background and it's really great. Then you've been able to stay in that area, you know, built work to your strengths. Um, but uh, what got you interested in acupuncture? And then how did, how, at what point in your career did you really start to combine the Eastern and Western side, um, you know, to, to develop the kind of practice that you have now?
1: Okay. Um, I was going through the training hours to become an athletic trainer at San Diego State University. Yeah. And I kind of got disenchanted with where I was going, not necessarily because of lack of love or passion for rehabilitation and the science behind it, but it was more with the people I think that I was, that I was working with. There was, it was kind of an unfun environment and, oh. and, and it, it, I should have hung in there probably, but yet yeah, the way that life works, I sold everything and I moved to Australia, or I went to Australia, uh, with my surfboard and a backpack to be able to see what sports therapy with my training at San Diego State was like over there. Mm -hmm. And I met an individual in Perth that was a physio. They don't have athletic trainer licenses there, Mm -hmm. they'll have sports trainers that are also physios. But anyway, he had a clinic in Perth, Western Australia where he was applying needles to these people. And I had no idea what acupuncture was at that time. It was like voodoo. But mm. I followed him around because I wanted to see if I could work with him and stay in Australia. And, and long story short is he's the one that planted the seed for me because I watched what kind of magical things that he was doing to the musculoskeletal system mm. with acupuncture. Now this was 35 years ago or so. Yeah.
0: In the early days, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you came back from Australia, uh, moved back to San Diego, and that's when you discovered Pacific College and decided to go to our program?
1: Well, I stopped off to visit a friend for a couple days in Maui and ended up living there for a year.
0: (laughs) Okay, that sounds like a good break.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, I ended up teaching at a massage school there, Anatomy and Uh investigated the acupuncture school there on Maui, actually, um, Uh because I was really intrigued with what I saw. But then that's when I reached out actually to you many, many, many years ago. Uh And said that, you know, San Diego has a good acupuncture program. And you and I spoke uh, by email. This was quite a while ago and it sounded great. It was a good fit. And so I came back home to San Diego and started
0: college. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've always admired about your approach to Chinese medicine um, has been uh, your, how would I put this, your interest in validating what it is that you're doing. I remember even in the early days, you're here at the clinic and you were doing you were measuring range of motion and needling and, and you really you know not necessarily a formal research project, or maybe it was I mean you may have developed into that and I'm not aware of it, but you really always had um, an interest in research as well as um, being a practitioner
1: yeah, thanks for noticing that, Jack. I really yeah. appreciate it and it was informal for sure yeah.
0: Yeah. I, was, I
1: was more of interest of what works clinically, what works consistently clinically, and then once it's taught, does it still work? Yeah. And that's always been a big thing for me. And mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, thanks for noticing that. That's, that. That drives me, actually, because it truly is magical to be able to insert a stainless steel needle into an acupuncture point the way they did 5,000 years ago and mm-hmm. watched how function improves. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. It's just discussed in a different language now.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that every practitioner can do in their own private practice and not necessarily to publish or to get grants or anything like that, but just for their own edification, for their own validation of what they're doing and to learn, right? I mean, you see things that work, try it out a few times to see if it works consistently. That'll add to your skill and and your confidence. So I think it's something that everybody can apply.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's a practice practicing to see what works and what doesn't work, and record the findings. Learn yeah. learn from the findings.
0: Right, learn from the findings exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you'll never know what it'll lead to, right? You might find something that you can write an article about, or or even a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I noticed when you were doing your symposium presentation this year that you'd mentioned. Um, the interest that you had in uh, posture and its relation to meridian imbalance, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, another book idea for you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that's that's another idea. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. That's that's something that that really still intrigues me quite a bit. We discussed it this last Smack program. I was just in uh-huh. new and we were talking it's the low back hip and groin module uh-huh. so we're talking about the different postures of that study that i did in 2010 and we discussed it again at the symposium 2019 yeah. so looking at the five different postures and how those particular postures had a tendency to have the same signs and symptoms mm-hmm. as tcm differential diagnosis mm-hmm. signs and symptoms and it just became very very curious now after studying this year after year it's it's also has it's very osteopathic when you start looking at these different postures you start to see how the uh, the organs themselves are are in dysfunctional positions where they can't actually move very well Mm -hmm. looking at uh, zongfu imbalances posture osteopathic view and TCM view and then overlaying that with the channel systems what happens with the channel systems and the muscle imbalances and how to treat it
0: yeah It's an interesting point. In fact, I'd written down a question. I wanted to ask you um, kind of relates directly to this and that is what role you think Chinese herbs play in the treatment of orthopedic orthopedic disorders. It's not commonly addressed in this country, but yet when you think about these organic imbalances, particularly if you want to address an underlying problem, Hmm. it seemed like Chinese herbs would have a big role.
1: Well, by not prescribing Chinese herbs means that you're kind of getting away from traditional Chinese medicine and only utilizing one aspect. Now, acupuncture is a powerful right. aspect, but, tradi- right. but Chinese herbology is the nutrition that makes the changes. Right. Um, it's the patient that, let's say, they have heat in their tongue and a rapid pulse, and they're going to be prone to inflammation. So, therefore, mm-hmm. too aggressive of a needle technique, they get inflamed. But yet, if you give the proper constitutional formula to be able to cool the internal heat that's part of the balancing. That's part of traditional Chinese medicine. So to answer your question, it's a huge part, chapter five of the book.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to hear that. I'm because I think that if you're only using needles, like as as you just described with your example, you are only using part of the tools that are at your your disposal. You know, going back a, a pretty long way, um, I seem to remember when you first got started down the path of orthopedics and Chinese medicine, you were really focused a lot on Janet Travell's work and trigger point therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, when you gave me a uh, part of your manuscript, you know, this is going back pretty far. I saw that you, or maybe it was a symposium proposal or whatever. I saw that you had kind of come back to the extra meridians and you know and um low vessels meridians and stuff for orthopedics so was there a was there an evolution or was i just missing something in when i in my description of your early of your early work yeah i think i've always
1: blended the two together because because when i started studying traditional chinese medicine quite a bit in order for me to understand it better for the way i think Mm-hmm. I needed to compare it to Western concepts. And so with looking, learning about our sheet points and then studying Janet Travell's work and then remembering what we did in athletic training school at San Diego State and what we did with motor nerve innervations, mm-hmm. how we would use those with electricity, wondering what would happen when you use acupuncture to that, right. was, was really, I think to answer your question, it's been a combination for me just so I can simply understand it better.
0: Yeah, got it. So, okay, so I mean, it, I I think that I probably have a mis, misimpression then of your earlier work, that it was really a lot more Western. Um, and, and then the, the Chinese medicine kind of came back into your focus. So maybe it was a just a mis- misimpression on part. Well, wait, wait, yeah. well,
1: not. I don't think so. I think we just – I have to elaborate a little bit more. Is yeah. that I'm not saying that it was 50-50. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. I'm not saying it was uh, yeah. science 50-50 and TCM 50-50. Sometimes it's, it would be 70-30, 80-20. Yeah, yeah. But there's always that underlying, how do I combine these so I can be able to practice this? Got it. I think All that's right. maybe what it was.
0: Yeah. So what's life like now for you? What's your balance? I th- I, I think I overheard you say – you you weren't practicing for a while you, you, you've taken a bit of a uh, a well-deserved uh, sabbatical what's the thinking behind that
1: well i wanted to finish this book which i have um, yeah. next the next two projects for me right now that i want to be able to finish uh before i go back to practice which i miss i'm really looking forward to going back to it, sure. is um the motor point index which is a flip chart that shows motor points that was a real popular book and we ran out of print of that. So the motor point index two is gonna be coming out with a refined motor point locations and needle techniques. And then the wall chart, we ran out of the wall chart. So the wall chart motor point acupuncture meridians wall chart is also being updated. Got it. We're working on those right now so those should be out by summertime.
0: Got it, all right, well good work. So you're not, I'm sad to hear that you're not just kicking back working on your tan, getting some, <laughs> some good waves <laughs> and enjoying a well-deserved break. So you've got other projects that you're, that you're uh, bringing to fruition. That's good I for am, us. I am
1: getting some good waves. That's for sure. I mean, surfing is yeah. my Prozac. If I don't go surfing, yeah. I, I can't function in life.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I hear you. Um, when you We're working on the book. I mean, there was obviously a long time when you were working on the book when you were doing both practice and working on the book. How did you balance your life? I mean, was it, did you have a set schedule? Did you say every day I'm going to get up and work for a couple hours in the morning on the book? Or was it random? Uh, You know, what what was it like? How would you advise somebody, an aspiring author to, um, you know, finally, you know, get it done?
1: That's, yeah, that's an involved question, because over 25 years, there's been a lot of different with that. But um, I remember taking time off of my practice for five weeks or so and having somebody else take over. Uh And most of the times I was very inspired to be able to do it, very passionate about it get up, eat a good breakfast, exercise, and then go ahead and work on the book or just get up early and work on the book and work on it all day because I have such a drive and a passion. A lot of things are being created. So you yeah. just have to kind of observe the energy with it and try not to be too obsessive, but I'm not the one to really be preaching that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you um, I, I, I'd imagine there's a bit of a team involved in the production of your book in fact i Absolutely. know for a fact that you Absolutely. had uh, key members who helped with the art and layout and things like that oh yeah um did that did that help get it done you know did have someone else who was kind of dependent on you getting your share done um so that they could work on theirs was it does that kind of have a virtuous cycle
1: For sure. Um, Adam Schreiber, who is the editor of the book, we've had a number of different readers and editors, but he's the primary. Uh And I actually just saw him in New Jersey this last couple of days. He came back and he took a class. He's a licensed acupuncturist, but he has a lot of experience Uh with editing journals and such. And, um, Adam was the person that really kind of cracked the whip for me because I have a tendency to go off on a tangent. If that tangent is not going in the right direction, have to be able to reel it back. Uh I'm better now, I'm probably a lot more seasoned on it now than I was 10 years ago. Uh Uh, So he was the one that really kind of kept things very, very focused. Um, And yeah, together we were able to put this thing together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Um, I mean, one of the things I have here, obviously a huge team at the college. Mm -hmm. And it really, it makes a difference. For sure. That's true. It makes it more fun too, you know. I mean, working in isolation can be a challenge. I mean, some people thrive on it, but um, for others, having that camaraderie is important.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been really great.
0: And um, since we're going to be talking about people,
1: I self-published this book, so I hired. I was
0: going to ask you, you know, what drove that decision?
1: Because I'm an anal Virgo obsessive person. <laughs> it just had to be your way, right? And <laughs> had well, I I have my team. I listen to my team. I listen to sure. their ideas, right? Yeah. And then when the ideas make sense, then we all work together. But like you, Jack, we, you know, there's gotta be somebody who makes the final decision. So uh, Nancy Ryan, who's the artist of the book, she also was the artist for the motor point index and the wall chart as well. She's fantastic. She has her input and that worked out really well. Michelle Livermore who put the book together. That was a huge, huge undertaking doing that.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it was a big team effort for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what what was the self-publishing largely a financial equation? I mean, did you say, you know, I can just do better in the long run, particularly in the field of Chinese medicine, it's not like you're trying to reach 300 million Americans who are going to read the next bestseller. seller. Right. I mean, we can reach every, every everybody who's probably in the market for your book, you can reach. Um, so it makes sense to me that self-publishing um, has a lot of merits. Now I say this with certain trepidation, knowing that some of my clients who are symposium exhibitors are publishers. But um, you know, not to take anything away from them, uh, self-publishing will certainly have merits.
1: Yeah, if you have a large enough database and interest in the book that people can be able to carry your book, then self-publishing is great. It gives you more freedom and creativity. For example. I had a really good idea of how I wanted the book to look and have it laid Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So with Michelle, we sat side by side for countless hours and months, putting the book together page by page, paragraph by paragraph, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: placing the images and and just formatting it. So it's it's nice that way. Whereas if I gave it to a printer um, or another publisher, I may not have that kind of creativity.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's good to good to know, and um, particularly in the kind of book that you created, that has a, even though it's not t- technically multimedia, has a lot of visuals, you know, graphics. A, a design is a big part of the book, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you were writing something that's a little more narrative, you know, in right. that has no weaver or something.
1: I mean, I wanted the book to be really beautiful because if the content sucked at least it's a nice looking
0: <laughs> book. it no? looks good right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah lucky for us uh, i think it's a success on, on all aspects um, um, except yeah. for the weight <laughs> granted i and, sure. and that's actually just said as a joke right um it's clearly a reference book that would be very at home in everybody's clinic um you know as a student lugging it around a class well hey you know what students uh, tend to be younger than us and can uh, benefit from the exercise <laughs> um, i like your rationale that's good yeah right um yeah so um you know i was you know i i mean, only hesitate to ask you this but you know during the same period of time i you went to new zealand Yes, And came back. And I was yes. kind of curious what the, what the uh, you know, rationale, or what the motivating factor was for that besides uncrowded waves. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that is the entire uh, rationale. That was,
1: that was a big part of it. But also I wanted, I wanted to slow down a little bit more in life. And, mm-hmm. me and I fell in love with it when I went there numerous times before. And mm-hmm. then I had an opportunity to actually become a resident, which I ended up doing. So, uh-huh. um, but you know, what's really good about that, Jack is that I didn't work on the book at all during that time, actually, uh-huh. was, uh-huh. not, that was not true during the second year I did. But that's when in my clinical practice in the North Island, in the Bay of Islands, uh-huh. um, I treated a number of different people there, including a lot of menopausal women, uh-huh. um, a lot of aging, a lot of varying ages. Uh, and that's where the Zong Fu and posture idea came about.
0: Uh, interesting.
1: So it was almost like, like I needed to go on the other side of the world and be upside down to be able to see that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and so that's, interesting.
1: that's where I did a lot of yeah, research.
0: Yeah. So at, at that time when you made that move, so you basically you'd had a practice here in San Diego, mm-hmm. you basically wrapped up your tent and said, you know, I'm going, like you said, halfway around the world. Yeah. Um, how, how, how long had you been practicing at that point?
1: Uh, before I went to New Zealand? Yeah. So New Zealand was 2010, 2020 right now, so about 20 years.
0: So, yeah, so you were well-established at that time. I yeah, just kind of, you know, thinking, again, the purpose of this podcast is to help practitioners of all ages, you know, and all tenures in their practice reflect on where they are in their career, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what they might need to – in some cases, rejuvenate their interest in the medicine, right? After 20 years of doing similar work, especially if they weren't already working on a book or motor point index or teaching, creating smack, whatever, um, you know, there may be some need for them to reflect on a change, right? What, what that might be, you know? And that's one of the things why I, I want to, you know, talk to people who have, for lack of a better term, side projects, Right. Um, not necessarily saying that a book is a side project. Sometimes it's the main thing, but these side projects can provide a sense of inspiration, rejuvenation, you know, just kind of reinvigorate your interest in the medicine or some particular aspect of the medicine that they might not be dealing with on a daily basis if they're just, you know, kind of have a, a broad practice, right? So I think some of the, just one of the reasons why I bring some of these things up is to, you know, give somebody, Say well, Matt did it. Maybe I can go and you know pack it up for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, just make it a smaller book so it gets done within a year or two. Well, oh,
0: the book. Yeah, I mean, and well, and that's a good point, and and that is that, you know, any project. Well, one, you, you're not always sure where it's going to lead, right? Um, I mean, you may have started with the points charts, and you know, maybe not had a book immediately in mind when you were doing earlier projects. And so someone that just has an interesting question they want to have answered. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to know more about how Chinese medicine herbs could help with uh, uh, antibiotic resistance, uh, you know, and is there some way that that could benefit Mm -hmm. the culture? Just as an example. I'd like to see that article if anybody listening, Um, you know, and so you start to work on that. It can be just a few pages, right? We publish it in the Pacific College newspaper or Journal of Chinese Medicine or Acupuncture Today. Mm -hmm. That could start something that you might not have anticipated, right? I might see that article and go, oh, that's a topic that I want to present at Pacific Symposium. Mm -hmm. That person's done the research. They know what the topic is. Next thing you know, they've started a career in teaching or public speaking, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, you never know where that one step's going to take you.
1: That's true. And these, these side projects that you were talking about can, can look a lot of different ways. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, it's not just like, like what you're talking about. It can be research and something that you're really passionate about and you write an article, but maybe you're not a writer. But right. So you read a lot and you get these ideas of what, how to help certain patients that you may have. Right. Uh, another thing too is that maybe you're, you're at a place where you just need to work on yourself. Yeah. You start working on yourself a lot more. And you start to find that actually I, I'm a happier person and my practice is getting better because of that.
0: Right,
1: I'm able right. to communicate with my patients differently and provide um, interesting things for them to be able to look at and see. Yeah. We all Absolutely. have to do as practitioners. I mean, if we if we don't, then we we get stagnant. So it's, yeah. it looks a lot of different ways of, of how what these side projects are, so that we can end up helping more people in our really,
0: practice. Really, really good point, right? Especially these days, you say you don't have to be a writer. That's for sure, right? I mean, blogs, podcasts, mm-hmm. um, videos that you can make that you could distribute to other practitioners, to your patients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are products to be developed still, you know. Um, I was talking to Jake Fracken and he said that um, John Scott had suggested him that he was going to start an herbal company. And Jake was like, oh, who needs another herbal company, you know? Now that was 20 years ago. John's got a big herbal company. Yeah. Right? So you think, oh, it's already been done. We don't need another one, right? But there's always room for another different approach to something. Maybe it's better, cheaper you know easier to read um whatever it happens to be right version two you know um so uh yeah there's absolutely no limit to the ideas that you could come up with to do things beyond your private practice that's for sure
1: yeah it's good to keep it fresh
0: yeah i mean i love your comment about personal development as well um you know that uh particular interest of ours here at Pacific college right now that we've just created a new master's of science in health and human performance. Mm-hmm. And a big part of it is personal development, right? If you're going to be a personal coach, you know, you need to know a lot about yourself first before you start telling other people how to do stuff.
1: Right. Not the truth.
0: Yeah. So, um, and I, I think that acupuncturists in particular are, are pretty good at that. Right. I mean, I think there's a very high level of awareness, uh, uh, personal sense of responsibility, um, introspection amongst acupuncturists, at least the ones that I see that come to the symposium and that's at the college. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, there's always more to be done there. That's for sure. And as you said, it it totally would reflect in your business or your private practice. Right. Yeah. Just your own, like you said, personal satisfaction. You're happier Mm -hmm. and it's going to reflect to everybody around you. So Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Let's see if I had anything else. Um, How about you, Matt? I mean, just like other advice that you might have for, let's say, three different people newest practitioner, right? Someone who's maybe been in practice for 10 years, and then someone that's been in practice for 20 years. You know, what do you tell these three? What do you tell yourself, you know, 30 years ago? What did you tell yourself 15 years ago? and what are you telling yourself now?
1: Okay, well, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna answer that part, what I <laughs> tell myself. But I'll share with you what happened to me yesterday. Um, my flight was not until the evening in New Jersey, and so I hung out in at the school, Eastern School of Acupuncture, Traditional Medicine, uh, for most of the day, getting some work done. Thomas Quo's over there. Sure. Thomas,
0: said, one of our alumni. Yeah. yeah, great
1: guy. Really yeah, really great. Awesome guy. Yeah. Solid, solid, solid. I said, Thomas, if um if anybody wants to come and chat, I'm just going to be here working. And so he actually sent an email out. So, so <laughs> yeah. he came and said, am I going to get any work done? <laughs> um, one student came, actually two students came, and both of those students they're new, obviously, right? Yeah. And they're going to be graduating soon, and they're going to be a first-year, second-year acupuncturist within a few months. And both these guys, what they had in common was trying to put the medicine together and what they're going to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Both of these individuals mm-hmm. seem like they started to segregate how they saw the body. For example, both of them were interested in musculoskeletal, and they were looking at cases of low back pain and shoulder pain and, and such, and they, they weren't really thinking about what other points they can use to be able to help this person that has the shoulder pain or the low back pain. What other um, imbalan- channel imbalances could be causing the shoulder pain um, or the low back pain? They weren't really putting it all together yet, and I'm not quite sure if that's something they learned later, but, or they were just still trying to work it out, because there's a lot of information thrown at you within the three years of the four years of taking this school. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think long story short would be to really continue to study quite a bit, find the passion that you have, keep an open mind mm-hmm. and, and, and just never, never settle on your laurels with it. Just never.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause you're always going to learn. Yeah. And because life has a tendency and practices have a tendency to, uh, especially practices, will have a tendency to ebb and flow. And when it is in the low point, you really have to check your own chi and what you're doing and how you're communicating with your patients. Yeah, That's my own experience with it.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: How excited you are with it. Yeah. Yeah, so continue to be a student.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. So that's the new practitioner. Um, the tenure practitioner would probably... Uh, don't you don't record this one or don't use this one, but they, they <laughs> Dude, it's got all that, getting recorded. Got it all figured <laughs> out. And it's like, you know, they got it all figured out. You're <laughs> just <good>. starting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good point.
1: You're just, you're just, you still have, there's just so, so much still to learn. I still have so much more to learn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't ever rest on the laurels. Keep studying. Be passionate. I think that's probably for all three groups.
0: Yeah. Good so, advice. I, yeah, cut out out what you guys want, but you know, I, 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 uh, I think that's that. I think that's uh, very good advice. I think uh, anybody hearing it would probably agree um, that even particularly when you think you know it all is when you should stop and think about what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, but Jack,
1: don't use that part, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's yeah,
0: that's oh, man. Uh, man. Sometimes the stuff you want to leave out's the best.
1: <laughs> all right it's not it's not it's not the last I mean I've be kind of controversial so if you want to use it it's okay
0: uh, yeah um, well um, I think actually on that note I think it's as controversial as you might think it is I think it's insightful and wise and um, very very helpful um, uh, any last words? Anything you want to say about what's next for you? you? You mentioned the, you know, what you're going to be doing during during your hiatus. but uh, When do you expect to go back into private practice? I'm hoping to go back into practice probably fall of this year uh, or soon.
1: early or early next year. Um, yeah. After the birth of this book is taking me all over the world, which is great, which yeah. is really wonderful. I'll be spending the month of May in Europe with a couple of seminars then traveling around a bit And in August. Nice. I'll be in August in, uh, in, in Australia and New Zealand. Uh-huh. It'd be really nice. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. So this year is pretty darn busy with my own smack program and some other
0: yeah, really stuff I'm doing
1: here in the U S so it's been, yeah. it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. That is yeah. True.
0: Yeah. Will you think you're going to go into a group practice again, or will you practice out of your home or keep kind of low key?
1: It it's kind of has to be a special situation because the way that my life is going is I, I really like to travel a lot. Yeah. And if I could go ahead and have a practice for three months, but then maybe be gone for three or four months and then come back for three months and be gone again. So whatever that venue would end up being that I, I have that kind of flexibility. Right. Um, I, that's something that I'm actually going to try to manifest and see how it's going to happen when the time happens.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess my message for our audience kind of in closing is that you can see that Matt has the option to kind of create the life that he wants to live. Um, yeah. And that's come through the work that he's put into creating not just the books that we've already mentioned, but his um, SMAC, the um, Sports Medicine Acupuncture Training Certification. Um, and so it does take time, takes effort, but all those journeys start with one step and we look forward to seeing what you, our audience, creates. Um, I'd like to hear from you. My email is jmiller at um, Anything you have to say about our podcast, what you've got from them, uh, comments, comments about the profession, love to hear from you. So, Matt, thanks a bunch for being with us. Um, I wish you all the luck. I hope you get to take those three months here and there. Um, And um, we'll see you out in the water real soon, I hope. Thank you, Jack, for inviting me. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye.